I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome into episode 260 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. Sources Say is, as always, brought to you by our good friends at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations that's on Blazer Parkway and Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling 859-543-0700. You can even send a text message to one of their friendly team members at the same number, to ask a question or make an appointment. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team strive to provide you with good oral health and a comfortable environment. The Justice Dental team looks forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country, who very well could be starting for the University of Kentucky Wildcats next year. We've been teasing a a job move, but little did you guys know, he's actually <laughs> going to be one of uh, uh, the scholarship basketball players on the team next year. So congratulations, Sean Smith. Oh, yeah, thank you. And we're uh, we're seven minutes early for our showtime. Remember? I, I, I said 540. And no, it, it was my fault today that we're a little bit behind. But no, uh, throw out the whole, like you said, wait till good news to record and then just throw out my entire theory and idea of, mid-may because mid-may comes mid-june mid-june might be mid-july and at this point might be mid-year before we really know what this roster is going to look like because uh they play games in seven weeks and uh there's no roster to uh to be had like unless we're going to do a three-on-three league a, a, a whole new definition to seven on seven seven in seven seven scholarship yeah. players in seven weeks uh yeah, Sean, what's funny is a week ago today, we recorded the preview for the Kishad Johnson uh, commitment where at that time, and as I said, uh, talking to Kishad's side, talking to Kentucky side, they were like, you know, things went really well. Uh, they went into de- decision-making mode early to midweek. And then uh, leading up to the show, it was all positive vibes for Kentucky. We were talking about him as a shoe-in uh, Chris Livingston replacement and how, uh, yeah, he might not be the offensive powerhouse that you're hoping for, but he he provides the winning um, intangibles and and the physical traits, the defense, all, all of that good stuff. Uh, and then he, on Friday, uh, word leaks out rather quickly early that he uh, ultimately settles on uh, Arizona. And the reason for it, and I think this is going to be a recurring theme to this show, is drum roll. He wanted an expanded role on a team that he was comfortable as a as a contender. Arizona, he just thought uh, had a bigger role for him, and and like yeah, it's a great thing to only want twenty to twenty five minutes a game. But if there's another school that's offering you thirty, and it's still a high profile, maybe not a blue blood. Arizona's not a blue blood, but there's still a high profile program. Pretty pretty intriguing. So, uh, Keyshawn Johnson out and. At least at that point, we were like, well, at least we're going to get Antonio Reeves back. Maybe Chris Livingston changes his mind. Maybe what you know what happens with Oscar Sheepway. Um, as things stand right now, Sean, and I know this is going to sound uh, pretty damning and, and drastic right now, but I think Kentucky has a better chance of missing out on all three of those, uh, those three than returning all three right now. And that's a, a really, really tough spot for uh, Kentucky to be in as of May 24th, exactly one week before the uh, withdrawal deadline for NBA draft hopefuls. Yes, yeah, this is not what you wanted and stuff. Uh, a roster that, I mean, what, mid-March, late March is when the season ended. It, it took a while to kind of make moves with the coaching staff and no additions to the roster outside of the incoming freshman class, no surprise returning pieces, nothing. Like, it's just been – you see all these other programs in college basketball kind of shoring themselves up and, and getting players back and 
landing transfers. And then we talked about how quiet Kentucky was for weeks in the transfer portal with not reaching out to perimeter players and not really pursuing anything outside of Hunter Dickinson there for a while. And then you get the the Johnson recruitment and you start to think, okay, maybe. And then then they go in on a, on a former teammate of his late and, and make contact. And then he commits to Auburn on the same day that he talks – he puts out, and I'm like, what are you at this point? You're just making yourself look silly with what's going on. Like four hours, four hours after he tweets out the eye emoji. Uh, oh, guess who yeah. just called me? Psych. Yeah, and then Psych. go on. And then you get played again because you let that happen. Because everybody starts, well, Kentucky reached out. Like, yeah, at the midnight hour after he's already wrapped up visits and picked out his favorite restaurants in another SEC town. Like you want to hold off. I want to be fair here. I want to hold off and see what this thing looks like when it is time to look to, to, to look at it. But it, at the same time, this has been an absolute train wreck for what is the most important off season. We, and we've said this is the most important off season every off season since 2020. And it gets even more important, but the way it's managed and things, you can't help but wonder and, and maybe criticize a little bit that, why is Kentucky in the position it's in? It's like they're being handcuffed by everybody. Their own players, players they're recruiting, everything is just – it's just a uh, – I don't want to have two hands on the panic button, but if you're pushing the panic button right now and you listen to the show, I think you're perfectly entitled to do that and have that choice because uh, what a disaster this has been for the last six or seven weeks. Well, even the biggest optimists for this recruiting class, and I'm not one of them. I, I've made my concerns very clear on this show about playing style, personality fit, culture. Like, I, I have made it very clear that I have my concerns about this upcoming recruiting class, that they are the best of the, of the group, but it's also a very poor group overall. So I, I've made that clear from day one. But I think even the biggest optimist about what this recruiting class is and its potential, we're also relying on a complementary group around them to, you know, the veteran pieces. And that's why it's a massive hit. Will you be able to find a 14-point-per-game score in the portal, one that's going to, you know, shoot 35% from three? Maybe. The grad transfer route will still be available, whatever. But – Somebody that was in the system last year that knows what it takes to succeed at Kentucky. Somebody who went on the road and dropped 37 points in a hostile road environment, playing for John Calipari, like that was the ideal matching mate alongside DJ Wagner and Rob Dillingham. And instead, he is now exploring not only just keeping his name in the in the draft, saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be 23 by the time the next basketball season starts. It is what it is, bro. I'm just ready to go pro. No. He's considering taking his talents elsewhere in the transfer portal. Uh, that That is a worst-case scenario for Kentucky, just from a PR perspective. I think finding the player replacement would be tough but doable, but I think the PR hit that would come with that would be about as bad as it gets. It would. Ed, losing uh, surefire guys that you had – I mean, look, we've, we've talked about Antonio Reeves being part of this roster since the season ended. And then we had a period where we talked about Oscar Sheboy and the confidence there. And it's just, it's it's crazy how things change within this. And it it makes us look like at times, like we don't know what we're talking about. And because like one week we're here, the other week we're here, but that, that's that's the pulse of the fan base right now though. Like I think this fan, fan base is so confused and so stretched out and just kind of, you wake up every day and every day feels the same, but it's not the same because there's always some type of movement. It's going to be a crazy week. We know that. And at some point this is going to have to be final and we know what it's going to look like, but you had all these guys going into the transfer portal. I mean, all the, the thousands of names that went in the portal and Kentucky is empty right now when it comes to that, to that category. And that's a program that, I mean, and when you only have seven guys on your roster, is there any excuse for not, having a transfer added at this point? And, and that's the argument. And there's a lot of people that go, well, it's seven quality players and Cal only keeps a seven-man rotation. Anyway, it's like, Sean, have these fans not seen how these seasons have unfolded year after year after year with injuries, foul trouble, guys going cold at the wrong time, shade and sharp situations where guys just don't effing play. Like, 
you can't just rely on seven scholarship players and then say, well, worst case scenario, you got Grant Grant Darbyshire there ready to to man the point guard spot. Like, no, you need bigs. We we had the number of scholarship guys that we had on last year's roster and were complaining about depth by year's end last season. Now you have three fewer players than that, four, maybe even four. Did we have 11 scholarship players last year, I believe? I believe so. Whatever it was, three or four fewer than we had a season ago. And we were complaining about the depth then. You have to get depth. I'm right there with you. It doesn't matter. It does matter who it is. You got to find fits. And, you know, I I appreciate them reaching out to guys like David Jones at St. John's and, you know, different different pieces. I appreciate them kind of expanding their horizons a little bit and just saying, all right, we got to get bodies, man. Like we already went into this offseason saying more rather than less and now it's like you couldn't get any less than what we have right now it's just it's a, a worst case scenario time wise you already have the underclass uh transfer portal closed yeah there could you know if, if kobe brown hits the portal as, as a grad transfer then then yeah cal can say see you told you guys and, and then we wouldn't have anything to complain about like i would understand that but that's also relying on Things that very well could not come true. It, it's it, it's a really tough predicament to be in right now. It is, and it's it's one of those things where I just keep coming back to there, there's no excuse to to not have something from the portal. And and I thought that this would actually be we called it the most important offseason of the Calipari era. And until they climb that mountain back to the top of college basketball, we're going to continue to say that. But with what they had signed, and they signed those guys early in the fall, I thought it was going to be a relatively quiet offseason. And it has been. It's just they've added nothing, and then they're losing guys that we didn't see them or even possibly losing. And that, that, that's not the definition of quiet. That's the definition of chaos with no answer to it. And that's what it's been for the better part of six to seven weeks now. I mean, all the way back to the, the Hunter Dickinson situation and, and how that all played out. And now you're, you move forward and you're thinking, okay, well now you go all in on Oscar and then that plays out the way it's playing out. And you're still in this whole Reeves situation. Kentucky is made up no ground in any scenario. And I, I don't know what conversations are going on right now behind closed doors, but I don't feel a sense of panic, but I'm panicking a little bit because why not? You got seven dudes and you keep going back to how this thing started. Maybe we should have known it was going to be chaos the way it started with Ugo and there. going to the portal. And then boom, a week later, right back to Kentucky, by the way, that's the only positive thing that I can give you is his highlight tape that he's been putting out. Like his body looks good. He's, he's changed that. He's doing some stuff that resembles playing some five out is he probably took more threes in that video the other day than what we're going to see him take at Kentucky this year, but or ever. Or ever, yeah. <laughs> so, but hey, he's working on it. But I, I'm frustrated. I guarantee you every single listener and viewer on this show right now is frustrated. I'm still optimistic that they, they got enough if they can add some role guys. But you're now into the part of the portal that it's grad transfer. That's how deep they are into this, that it's grad it's, transfer. Now you're, now you're relying on a Reed Travis to yep. present. You know, you're, you're relying on a – Oh, thank God, type type guy. And, you know, Kobe Brown could be that guy, but it's you don't want to wait for that thank God guy. You you wait for that, okay, let's build the roster almost completely. It reminds me of that Andrew Wiggins year where the roster was done. You were confident in that roster with or without Andrew Wiggins, but if you got him, it was like, okay, now here we go. And obviously the season unfolded the way it did, but you just the, the momentum and confidence about the roster going in. I do not feel good about a seven-man roster, and I don't care if, if they all are top five picks. All all four of the non-Reed Shepherd freshmen can be top five picks, and I would still feel like the rest of the the the, the rest of the team would have serious flaws, and and the team would have its downfalls. Just, I mean, just because it's it's numbers, like it's math. You you have to have depth. You have to have options. You have to. Like foul trouble happens, injuries happen. Like you, you just can't do that. And it's, it's tough, man. It's it's really really freaking tough. And, and 
It is. And it's, it's one of those things. Like, I mean, the graphic that we have up here on the side that, that Stevens put up, it's got a, a mark through, uh, through Johnson. And we've no. talked about, we've talked about a ton of these topics for weeks and, and you and I kind of keep stumbling over ourselves when it comes to Oscar and it comes to, to Reeves. And it's, I mean, it's getting old because we're still talking about the same stuff, but yet it's an ever changing situation. Like every time that we get on here and record, there's always something that's changed, but we don't have the final outcome of it. And we're in late May now. It's May 24th. We're recording. Like, it's just, I don't understand. And, and I, I keep, I've said it multiple times too, that I'm a fan of bringing in the freshmen that they brought in. They did get the best of the best out of that class. And we've talked about, and you've talked about it, that it's not the most talented class when it comes to in the John Calipari era, when it comes to overall numbers and where they stack up, but they did get the best of the best. But when you look at it, Jack, like, yeah, I'm for it. They've not won with the veteran route the last couple of years. They've not won going heavy on the transfer portal, but you still need those key pillar role pieces from the portal that are veterans or people coming back that have experience in your program before these freshmen can really help you and push you to a tournament run. You cannot go in with these five guys being your five and then just blending maybe average role guys around them. You need dudes who are seasoned in who they are at this point of college basketball that are older. And they need to find it at some point in the next week to two weeks. And I I don't know if those guys are going to emerge and identify themselves or not. Do we get a surprise and maybe a Chris Livingston come back? I, I don't know at this point. Like, I've I've went through every possible scenario in my head of what this roster could look like, and I'm still kind of panicking a little bit just because where Kentucky's put themselves. So I, I want to get your thoughts on um, the Antonio Reeves decision and how um, how this unfolded, and if you agree with his mindset and and the people around him how, how they are approaching this. So as I kind of touched on at the beginning of the show with Keyshawn Johnson, it, it's kind of unfolding the way we talked about on this show as a worst case scenario with Antonio Reeves. When every time we talked about Antonio, we said, yes, they're very comfortable coming back to Kentucky. They really enjoyed their time at Kentucky uh, and they would be open to assuming that, you know, the assuming uh, a draft opportunity doesn't present itself. He would be very open to a return. However, Kentucky needs to do its job to make him feel comfortable in his role and make him feel comfortable that they would brand him in a way that it would be worthwhile for him to come back. And unfortunately, I don't think Kentucky has done that. And, and unfortunately, that has led him to say, okay, well, I'm going to be 23 years old by the time the season starts. He turns 23, I believe, November 20th, I think. He is a 23-year-old with one season of eligibility remaining at the collegiate level. We saw a best case scenario for him in terms of role and usage in at Arkansas. But the reason for that was because Casey Wallace was out. Xavier Wheeler was out. He had no choice but to have that role. And yes, he, he was absolutely out, outrageously good in that role. But there's almost a backfire that comes with putting so many, all of your chips in the freshman basket and the, these freshmen are superstars. They are going to be our saving grace. If you look at the comment section of these, there are so many people that go, our freshmen are superstars. They're fine, which I just disagree with. I, I, I have said that on the show. I disagree with them being superstars at, at this next level. I, I hope they prove me wrong, but I've seen them with my own two eyes. A, a long, long list of times. The issue is with all of that talk about putting all the the eggs in the freshman basket, Antonio Reeves is looking at that situation going, okay, well, am I just going to be put in my corner and jack up threes like Kellen Grady? Like Kellen Grady said out loud, all right, I'm just going to go back to my corner. Like that that was that was Mr. Grad transfer coming in for his one last role as a blue at, at a blue blood, blah, blah, blah. That was Kellen Grady. Antonio Reeves is not coming back to be Kellen Grady. He he wants to go somewhere where he is going to have an opportunity to make a lot of money with NIL because I think they were okay with how NIL went this past year. He made okay money, but I think they were a little put out by Kentucky not going above and beyond to, to give him some branding opportunities. And that's why I kind of emphasize if he were to come back, Kentucky would need to do a bang up job of putting him 
at that next level and saying, all right, let's let's really brand the hell out of this kid uh, because he's going to be our veteran guard piece guy capable of going and scoring 37 down in Fayetteville. I think when push came to shove, he is looking at this and going like kind of like it's like a Sean to a lesser extent what happened with CJ Frederick. CJ Frederick, yeah, it sounds great for him to be the vet guy and the glue piece and potential shooting specialists off the bench and all that. But when push comes to shove, dudes don't want to be limited to one little tiny finite role, especially with one year of eligibility remaining. This is his last shot. If he's going to come back, he wants Kentucky to make it worth his while. And if he doesn't feel that they're going to make it worth his while and go all in with the freshman, and he's going to be Kellen Grady and just be put in his corner and jack up threes, he ain't coming back. And that's why I lean as of May 24th, 5.52 p.m., I think Antonio Reeves is gone. I do. And uh, it's frustrating, right? And I get it. He had a terrible game against Kansas State in the the biggest moment of Kentucky season, and and that's kind of where we're at here. Is you're you're putting all your eggs in a basket, you know, of a of a guy that you're wondering if he's going to come back and use an extra or another year at Kentucky. But given where Kentucky's at with lack of scholarship players, lack of veteran pieces, it would be a significant loss to lose Antonio Reeves this late. Had you lost him in March and you then you could kind of identify another guy in the portal that can shoot it and be a three-way guy, you can find those guys in the portal. It's it's harder to find them in late May. I think that's probably the thing that complicates it more. I mean, and Antonio Reeves is a replaceable piece as long as you have options to look at to go replace him with. I just don't know if you can replace it this late. Um, if he comes back, I think he's a guy that would want to play with the ball in his hands a lot. And But I think the thing is, this freshman class coming in is going to require the ball in their hands more than the guys that were on the roster this past season. Like DJ, Rob, we know Justin's going to have the ball in his hands. Savir struggled to shoot. We know that. It was There was more room for Antonio to play with the ball in his hands, to go middle ball screen, things like that. And then like you saw it at the end of the year, like you mentioned at Arkansas, he had a big game when he was called upon to do that. Uh, for a guy that has one more year of eligibility, that has hopes of getting into that league, as you said, he doesn't want to be pigeonholed into a corner spot-up guy like Kellen Grady. He wants to play with the ball in his hands so he can showcase his game in all areas, off the ball, on the ball, to have a shot in that league a year from now. And I think that that's what it might end up coming down to. And I mean, it's frustrating. Like the, the whole – every offseason is frustrating, but it seems like it's more frustrating at Kentucky. And, and, and I'm – like this isn't a panic episode. I'm trying to stay within my line of panic and concerned. Like I'm, you can be concerned, but not be totally panicking. And I'm a little concerned because it's late, and I'm I'm afraid Kentucky is going to be kind of left standing there with a really solid class coming in that maybe doesn't have the perfect pieces to blend around it. And I just don't think there's any excuse to not to have those guys. Like there's there's options here that I mean, you had options in the portal. Like a lot of dudes went in the portal. How many names went in the portal this year? Seventeen hundred. Yeah, and. Kentucky's been linked to a few here and there. Maybe they were overconfident that Reeves was a for sure comeback. Maybe even a little overconfident that maybe Oscar was a for sure comeback. And that's the danger that you that you enter. If you you don't make promises, and I know Cal doesn't do it, but sometimes if you if you let dudes kind of have their leash a little bit, then you're in a situation like you are right now where you waited and not recruited over people. And sometimes you have to take what you can get. And we know that they would have taken Hunter Dickinson at one point, which would have forced Oscar's decision to leave. And I guess the other thing I keep coming back to is there have been people that have left this program that I don't even know if it made sense to leave. Like Lance left, but there's a clear-cut role and options right now. Like if Oscar doesn't come back, Lance would have played a lot of minutes a year from now probably. And he goes to Villanova. And It's, it's the location that bothers me about – Lance, not the fact that he's leaving. Because again, and look, I'm not, I'm Mr. Eternal Optimist trying to be excited and and, and be a glass half full, full type guy. But why would a guy like Lance Ware leave the program right now with his buddies coming in, the Camden crew coming in to Lexington and guy that he played his senior year of high school with is finally four years later, finally, like it, it, there there were so many things that like, how much bigger is his role going to be at Villanova next season 
than at, at Kentucky. Like, I, I think he'll have a bigger role, but enough to leave the comfort that he had here. I, I don't know. It's, I think there's a lot of writing on the wall that things aren't as good. My issue with it's not about Antonio Reeves leaving. It's the fact that the expectation was from the beginning that Antonio was going to come back and there weren't any contingency plans, no back, like no. Okay. Well, if Antonio Reeves, well, this is going to be our guy. Like I firmly believe that that guy isn't there. Like I don't think that Kentucky has a, an immediate replacement because they were so confident in Antonio coming back. It's about the staff's ability to read these tea leaves and to ha- and, and to be proactive instead of reactive. And I, I think that is an ongoing theme here that we're missing and that has led to the kind of not maybe not dysfunction, but lack of organization and, and some of those deeper rooted concerns that I personally have about the current state of affairs inside those joke inside the Joe Craft Center. Like I. I, I think it's deeper than we're all leading on and all these random departures on the staff. And like, it's, it's, it's all deeper than I think we are giving it credit for. And well, that's my concern. I had a conversation with somebody just a couple of days ago that, I mean, maybe I'm reaching here, but going back to Jay Lucas, when Jay Lucas left your program as a young up and coming name that is known in recruiting and brought future in the game. And he thought that Duke was a better fit for himself. The same idea that a lot of recruits feel like when it comes down to Kentucky and Duke in recent years, maybe that should have been a little bit more opening than what, what we looked at too is, is that move is, is when it happened. And like you said, the, the random names that, that leave the staff and then how long it, kind of takes to fill roles on this staff where at one point I think people were maybe busting down doors to try to get into this program. Now they're busting them down to get out of this program. And that's concerning. And I just, my fear is that Cal is relaxed right now and comfortable thinking that he can run it back with freshmen and do what he did a decade ago. That's my fear is that he just thinks, well, I didn't get the best of the best in recruiting the last few years. We went older now we're back to getting the best of the best, and that's going to be enough. We're going to be one and done. We're going to put there's going to be three or four draft picks off out of this group. Like I'm afraid that that might be his mindset, and I and if that's his mindset, I I'm concerned because the game is significantly older now than what it was eight, seven, even seven years ago. COVID changed that. There are old basketball players in college basketball. The two that Kentucky's waiting on right now are two of the oldest. In Oscar and Antonio, and that's that's college basketball now, and I think that that's my concern. Is if is 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 Cal? I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Is Cal relaxed right now or is he kind of out here trying to, I don't know. I don't see him every day. But if he's relaxed, I'm not relaxed. Are you relaxed? And it's hard. It really is hard because, again, if you read these comments and like, you know, Curious Calculator has gone through the entire recruiting class saying why each player, DJ Wagner, Justin Edwards, Rob Dillingham, why they're all better than Antonio Reeves. And like, I understand the excitement, but understand where the excitement is coming from. Listen to the people that have actually watched these kids and know the personalities and the identities and what makes each of them tick. And like, I have had really in-depth conversations with people that know basketball infinitely more than me and have seen these kids since they were in seventh grade. I've seen them for, uh, for the last three years. I've seen guys that know that have known each of them since they were kids and, and how they operate. And, and those guys have serious concerns about how they will all mesh together that you can look at the numbers next to their name and, 
all the t-shirts that are being made and the excitement about each and every one of them. That's, that's great. Like it's, it's awesome to look at highlights and think like, wow, Rob Dillingham looked dropped 40 points in an overtime elite highlight game that meant nothing to anybody in, in, in the competitive basketball world. Like, Oh, that's going to be the reason why Kentucky is going to be back on top. Like you can be excited about that, but also understand that there are people that have been watching these kids for a really, really, really long time that are very, very skeptical and believe that this could go south in a hurry, especially considering how things are un unfolding right now. They were kind of giving the program the, the benefit of the doubt if you got Oscar back, if you got Antonio Reeves back or Chris Livingston and you kind of did made it an all-in effort with everybody combined or hit a home run with Hunter Dickinson or uh, if Kobe Brown were to come. Like, if there are still avenues to where you could back maximize them, but if you are – putting throwing them in with the sharks from day one and relying on those five freshmen and Uban Onyenso and Adu Thero to carry the, the the to shoulder all of the pressure of this program, it will not work. And I, I don't I don't care what you believe or what highlights you watch to indicate elsewhere, but I'm here to tell you it will not work. And, and Kentucky has to hit home runs to close out this roster. You cannot go all in with just these five freshmen and expect a national championship because that's just not reality. And I know people in the comments think that we're being super negative today, but there's times where people probably think we're over positive. And I'm I'm trying to stay within a line here, but can you confidently tell me that you are okay sitting here right now on May 24th that Kentucky has seven players on its roster that have not – none of them have a role. None of them. Adu played limited role. Ugo played in November and didn't play much after that early December, it's essentially seven new faces in your program. And we're sitting here telling you right now that the other two that we thought would come back might not come back. So it could be a roster that returns no experience within the UK program. Like it's not, it, it's not like that I'm sitting here trying to be negative. I'm just trying to say like, I'm not going to sit here and tell everybody that's going to be okay because I don't know it's going to be okay. I wish I did. And I hope that I'm sitting here in July and we're talking about how great this and fantastic this group looks against really talented teams. And I'm going to be open-minded to it. When I, I said when we started talking that I wanted to let the roster play out and then give a fair assessment of what it looks like. And John Calipari is still John Calipari. He's going to put something together. But is it going to be enough? That's the question. And then when you look at it, is Kentucky going to – be able to run out there and, and and on paper, like I know, and on paper doesn't matter, but what does Kentucky look like in, in December and January? We, I don't know. We don't know what the schedule is going to look like in things, but I don't want to sit here and tell you it's going to be great and sunshine and rainbows here and me be sitting here in December with my hands on my head like I was last season going, I didn't see this coming. I'm, I'm a little concerned, and that's okay. Would you rather us blindly say, yeah, DJ's the number one player in the class, or Aaron Bradshaw, a different recruiting service, has him at number one? Oh, he's Chris Topps Porzingis. He's, he, he is the best shooting big man I've ever – he's a unicorn. He's an alien. He does – like Rob Dillingham, oh, my God, the most electric player I've ever seen in my life, and uh, he's, he's going to be a walking one. Would you prefer – the blind optimism and then make you guys pissed off when the games actually happen because we were lying to you. I mean, I, I'm, I'm in the gym watching these kids. Like I, I'm, I'm there ears and eyes on the ground with, with them from start to finish. Like, okay. Like if, if, if you believe what you want, that's fine, but just don't say we didn't warn you. I'm tired of being negative. Ah, me too. I, I do have a like maybe a little bit of positivity to share. Maybe maybe just like a little bit. Cal is planning on flying to meet Oscar Sheboy this weekend. Oscar is currently um, in Pittsburgh. His brother's graduating, hanging out with his host family, just you know, do, doing his his own family thing, kind of taking a step back, hitting briefly pause on the draft process. Uh, and then this weekend, I think going to start ramping things up as we approach the withdrawal deadline next Wednesday, Cal's planning on flying to, I believe, Charlotte to meet him uh, and Nate, his agent and, and um, you know, the other guys involved in this process and, and just kind of get to the bottom of 
this and say, all right, we need an answer from you. We need to figure out where you're leaning, how things are going. I was told from both an individual inside the program and also outside that kind of understands how this process is going and how think conversations have gone with NBA teams with Oscar, uh, that people close to Oscar are growing more open to the idea of returning to Kentucky for one final season. That would be incredible news. Kentucky has ever so slightly gained positive, a little bit of optimism that uh, that could that scenario could definitely unfold. I believe I went on this show and said from Kentucky's side that it was a 0.01% chance that Oscar was going to come back to start the offseason because those conversations did not go well between Oscar and his people in Kentucky. Things have improved quite a bit. And I think for the first time through this whole process, I think that there's an actual, I, I think it's more of a toss up than a, it's all blind hope thinking that Oscar's going to come back. I think we're actually in toss up zone. If, if he were to get a, a legitimate promise that these next couple of days with NBA teams, uh, I think that there's a chance that he more likely than not, he'd stay in, but um I th I'm growing more positive about the, the possibility of, of Oscar coming back. And I think it's because he really wants him back and, and understands potentially just the magnitude of his decision. So, yeah. And it's, it's a leadership role that's available on the roster. Like that's the, that's the one thing that, that is missing right now is it's not just a leadership role missing. It's someone who has played within this program. They can go get grad transfers, or they can go get people from the portal, and they can get talented pieces, and, and you need that, and they're going to have to do that. But there's a difference. If you have never played in this program, you don't understand it. So essentially, Kentucky would have a lot of guys, pretty much 90% of its roster coming in that has never played in this program. That's a scary thought. And I think that a, a guy like Oscar, and I know he has his – where he's limited in certain areas, we know, not the best athlete and things, not the best defender, but a guy that has laid it all on the line for two and a half years in your program. I've I'm perfectly fine with that being the kind of veteran pillar piece that you, you build around. And then it gives you an anchor, a guy that's elite in the category of rebounding, but it also gives you someone that can lead the rock, the locker room that has a voice, a voice that not only at Kentucky, but a voice in college basketball, one of the most popular players to play the game. And I think that that would be a really good start. And then you try to piece another role player or two around him, the veteran guys. And I, and I think that then you start to kind of turn the table on the conversation we're having here. I just think Kentucky is it, – it's good Kentucky is going young again. I, I like that. I don't want to shy away from that. But you still need those three veteran guys on your roster that can kind of be the bridge from youth to, to experience and kind of bridge the gap. you got to have it. And, and I think that it would make life easier on these freshmen. We've talked about it, the the status and the, the, the immediate temperature within the program. We knew that this was going to be a pressure-packed year, that this group coming in is going to have more pressure on them than any team that has walked on the floor at the University of Kentucky. Given where Kentucky's been in the Final Four drought, the deep tournament drought, where the, the, the mix and the fan base with Cal, it was going to be unfair expectations and pressure already placed upon them. If they don't have veteran dudes to play alongside them, you could see them crumble. That is my fear. That's where I think it's important that they hit something. And getting a guy like Oscar Sheboy back to can kind of shoulder some of that weight would be a significant step in the right direction. I think that the thing that makes me most confident right now is, again, what happened when word leaked out about Aaron Bradshaw going to USC? and clutch trying to push him out. Cal said, I'll, I'm going to get this handled. They they put on a, a, a persona that, oh, th they're making a mountain out of a molehill. This isn't that big of a deal, whatever. Why, why did Cal go out of his way to address it head on with the people that matter and say, we got to get this stuff taken care of? Cal, seeing the... Like, I, I, again, I don't think Kentucky was anticipating losing Antonio Reese. I think they were not expecting it to get to this point. And, I mean, like, I, I have talked to Antonio's people. They said, we would like to come back to Kentucky. 
we don't think that we're going to hear what we're what we are wanting to hear in the draft process, and we're planning on coming back to Kentucky. So obviously, Kentucky is going to. If they're telling me that, then obviously they're they're telling Kentucky uh, sharing similar optimism. But there was always with the caveat of assuming role in NIL makes sense for us. Like that was always the caveat, and maybe this is all just a like they saw what happened with Aaron Bradshaw when Aaron Bradshaw had role concerns. Like, Oh, is he going to be a stretch forward? Like you better guarantee him that spot. And knowing that Cal went out of his way to massage that and make it happy. Maybe they saw that writing and said, okay, well, you know, if we make NIL demands or say, you know, we're, we're threatening to leave over NIL or role, maybe those conversations can get a little bit deeper and they can get what they're looking for. Like maybe it's all leverage on, on Antonio's side. That's very possible. But I, I just, every time Cal has been in a desperation situation this off season, he has come up with an answer. So that's where my optimism is coming from. And I'm hoping that optimism results in the return of Oscar Shibway for all the reasons that you said, from a talent perspective, from a leadership perspective, from, from this, this freshman group will not work if they don't not have, do not have veteran pieces around them to, let them know how the college game works and what's acceptable and, and, and what work ethic looks like at this level and, and structure and all of those things. They need those pieces. And Oscar Sheway coming back would make me feel infinitely better about that. And if they can get Antonio back as well, massage that, get that fixed, then we're talking. Like that, that is when we can start going, all right, we're good. That, that's, that's all we needed. We just need a little bit of pressure. That would be a best case scenario for this. And in and in fairness to Cal, you know, obviously we're our job is to 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 say positive things when it's time to say positive things and to kind of criticize and question when it's time, but also to kind of stay in that that line of the middle where we often stay most of the time. But he has dealt with a lot this offseason. Mm-hmm. And it started with the situation with with Ugo. Like we we know that that one at one point was out of Kentucky's hands. And in things when it comes to to NIL and and kind of, I guess, shopping value and things like that. But you had a kid that wanted to be at Kentucky from the beginning and and you survived that one. And then you deal with the clutch situation with Bradshaw. Like there's there's been things where he's had to fight to hold on for dear life for two people that should have been solidified on this roster when the season ended. That he'd already won the battle to get those guys. And then you go through the Hunter Dickinson situation and, and that recruitment. And then you're kind of. And then you got guys like Oscar and Reeves that you do want back. And you're not wanting to go after guys in the portal because you don't want to push people that you've already got in your program out the door. Not just your returning players, but your freshmen coming in. You don't want people asking out their letter of intent. Look what happened with Duke, which Duke has a really good roster. We be one of the better teams in college basketball. But that's the that's the culture in college basketball now is asking out a letter of intents and if and I get it it's a there's a fine line there that Kentucky's walking but I still think that the way that it's that we're so late and there's been no movement I think that that is where we're questioning what has Kentucky been doing for eight to ten weeks now deadlines are approaching here pretty soon and we should know something I mean Oscar I mean the decision has to be made relatively soon Antonio Reeves a week week from today yeah, like the, there's going to be a lot of stuff play out over the course of the next week. There's there's probably going to be some transfer names pop up that we don't even know that we're going to see Kentucky linked to and, and reaching out to, and there's going to be a lot of movement. People are probably going to get confused at times because I'm going to get confused with some of the connections and things Kentucky's doing, but you're going to see Kentucky going all in, I think, in the next seven days to kind of get this thing shored up. And, uh, Boy, I hope it. Uh, they they definitely need to have their roster intact so everybody can get on campus at the same time here pretty soon because that that move in day is quickly approaching. I mean, move in day is literally in a week and a half. I mean, they they will be next weekend. This freshman group will be on campus. Like games are six weeks or seven six <laughs> weeks from the deadline, seven weeks from today. It's not just the freshman group. It's the it's the Kentucky basketball team at this moment. Like. The entire Kentucky basketball team will be on campus in about a week and a half, and it's all freshmen. I, I like uh, T.W. Johnson's uh, question in here. Who is clutch <laughs> <laughs> with with a C? Um, it's complicated. It's it's um, arguably the most powerful agency, sports agency in the world right now, uh, headlined by one LeBron James and his right hand man Rich Paul who unfortunately 
uh, have been calling a lot of shots as of late um, in the basketball realm. And it has had a pretty terrible trickle-down effect with Kentucky, unfortunately, uh, dealing with a lot of guys. It sucks because Kentucky has so many guys represented through clutch in the NBA that have had such great success stories uh, under John Calipari. But it's like it's just the, the most recent track record with how things have unfolded with uh, with Chris Livingston and then Aaron Bradshaw back to back. Like I don't think you could get worse timing. And what it's what's so fascinating to me is that Justin Edwards is the most low maintenance dude on the planet. Like he just shows up and hoops everywhere he goes, and he's also represented by Clutch. Granted, his Clutch guy was also like his former AAU coach who ended up becoming an agent. So it's like less high maintenance people involved with him. And it's, it's still the same. It's still clutch, but it's not the same level of clutch. Like it's not rich Paul clutch and it's rich Paul clutch for both Chris Livingston and, uh, and Aaron Bradshaw. So it's it just, it's unfortunately very far, very powerful people that are like clutch right now. It, they're making Sean an, an example of Chris Livingston like talking to more people after um, the decision for him to not participate in five on five. Like I was told that they're actively like going out of their way to prove just how powerful they are and what type of leverage they can create and what type of power, like in terms of draft status and getting this, getting a guarantee or whatever, like they, they want to make an example of Chris Livingston and say, here is what we can do for you as a client. Like they want Chris Livingston to be the example. Wasn't happy about how things unfolded at Kentucky. Didn't think the role was right. Blah, 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 blah. All of that stuff aside, we're still going to get you drafted. Like, I think they're, they're wanting to use Chris as an example. And I think it's going to work. It's crazy, but I think that dude's going to get drafted. And I don't know what, it's very complicated, but clutch is very powerful. Long story short for, um, uh, whoever asked about clutch clutch is very important uh, unfortunately yeah yeah, i said clutch is about to give maxi a 200 million dollar contract they yep he and he's earned it and there are a lot of kentucky guys in the nba associated with clutch it's just they they represent their client um first and foremost always sometimes it does not work program yeah the, the changes that have just occurred in college basketball in the last decade you know just in john calipari's time at kentucky I mean, it's not the same. It's not the same game as what it was in 2009. I mean, you've the NIL error, the transfer portal error, like just the, I mean, there's so much that coaches have to do now that their job is already more difficult than what it ever was. But I feel like Kentucky's almost made theirs even more difficult by the way that they've kind of played this offseason. Like I just, I thought that we would, it should be easier to establish role players than what it has been. But money talks, and sometimes role players want greater roles. And we were talking about a week ago that, you know, Johnson and stuff coming from San Diego State, like you you have a role. I, I was talking one of the key things about him, if you could add him, would he would know what his role was, and he'd played a, a key role on a Final Four and a National Championship run team. Sometimes those guys want more late in their career. Everybody has dreams of becoming a professional basketball player and they want more opportunities and more minutes. And when you have a talented group of freshmen coming in that you know are going to be the bread and butter of this roster, we know that those dudes are going to play. That might be the biggest challenge to getting in the portal is to getting guys to come play when you know that there's going to be guys younger that are already going to get the nod ahead of you most likely because we know Cal's going to play as freshmen. And that might be a little bit of a, a crossroads that we're seeing here with Kentucky's inactivity in the portal and maybe not being able to build those relationships and recruiting those guys. Maybe that's the challenge right now. It might even be the challenge with some of your other dudes trying to get them to come back. What is their role? Like, I, I don't know. Like, something's delayed it. Something has kind of put Kentucky in the position that they're in. Oh, another positive note to uh, slowly kind of trend downward on this show to to wrap things up. (laughs) Kentucky did announce the official hiring of uh, John Welch, which that is a a fantastic hire. And we've talked about him. You know, we've reported on this show that that was going to happen and uh, talked 
the the extent of it and, and just the importance of his role. But I did want to clarify there are a lot of people that were saying that like he's KT Turner's replacement. That's not the case. He's being added on as one of the five uh, on court assistants that uh, can, that the NCAA is now allowing. So he is going to be the scouting hands on player relationship guy that but basically kind of a, a combination of what Kentucky was missing with John Robick out and what Kenny Payne, uh, the void that Kenny Payne left when he left for the Knicks. So two unbelievably important roles on this staff that have not been replaced and not been filled. Cal, I wish would get two of those guys to kind of not have to put, you know, all of that pressure on John Welch to kind of save the program. But it's a really, really, really valuable piece that is coming in to this coaching staff that desperately needed it. And uh, I am personally a huge fan of this hire and uh, he comes very, very highly regarded. So yeah. big, big old fat win on uh, John Calipari's part. Yeah. When, when you can, when you can read a press release that includes names like the development of Carmelo Anthony and Pau Gasol, DeMarcus Cousins, Blake Griffin, and then you get, you know, working alongside coaches such as Dr. Rivers, George Carl, Jason Kidd, Hubie Brown, Jerry Tarkanian, like that is a, that is a successful and winning pedigree in coaching and in player development. And I think that that is the, the best news of the offseason to this point is adding that guy to your staff, a, a guy that is familiar with your program from his son being here. Like that's another thing, a, a guy that Cal's familiar with. And we kept talking that we didn't want Cal to go comfort with coaching staff hires, but this one made a ton of sense because this is a guy that has proven himself at, at multiple places with multiple people at different levels, and I think he brings a lot of value to what Kentucky is going to be doing moving forward in this era of this program. And I think it was a home run hire at that spot. I give it an A+. And, again, what we have said in the past about the uh, importance of replacing KT Turner and not just saying, well, we're good, sounds sounds good. Like, again, I, I think the timing is now, like, you got to get the kids on campus. Uh, you, the – the players arrive next weekend. So obviously getting them acclimated and making, um, making them comfortable and quickly adapting because again, they have games in six weeks after arriving. So first and foremost, that's the biggest priority. But once they get settled in Sean, I think Cal really has to grind out that decision and say, all right, we got to get to the bottom of this again. And I've heard, unfortunately there hasn't like, Cal hasn't fallen in love with any of these options. And, and it sucks because for all of the kind of negativity and, and pessimism we've had on the show, like I don't think a lot of it is directed specifically at Cal. Like I think a lot of it is, is Cal almost putting too much on his plate and not having the support staff to rely on to make all of these things happen and, and, give him the guidance. Uh, like, I, I don't know. I feel like it needs to be a bigger all-in effort, but I think a part of that is adding this other name, this other piece that I, I think Cal just really has to get to the nitty gritty of and say, all right, who is the right fit? You're getting the scouting guy and maybe, you know, I, I would like for John Welch to be all in on this scouting department and then go get a relationship guy. Go Welch is good at it, but I also think that you need a go-to designated player relationship guy. That would be my next step. I think you got recruiters. I think recruiting is going to be fine. I, I think it's going to be about getting that player relationship guy to wrap up this up. And, and, and Sean, where would you look for that? If you're if you're looking for a guy that is just known for being shooting, I mean, it's not going to be Kenny Payne, but who would be the Kenny Payne equivalent? Uh, where would you look for the NBA? Would you look for? Uh, where would you look for somebody like that? Yeah, I, that's that's a really good question because, I mean, you you could look around college basketball and things, but I think I would probably go NBA where I think dealing and, and building relationships with players is very important at that level. And we, we know that, I mean, head coaches are head coaches in the league, but there's always a guy within an organization that is really important to player development and the the bridge from player to organization to to coach to president to whatever maybe you go look at one of these successful nba franchises and you go get a, a guy that, that that's proven himself there and maybe has a good reputation and, and good connections and is high praised i don't know i don't know where you go get it but I, maybe it, it, do you look at is there anywhere anyone that's a former player that has had some success 
in the league. Who, who knows what they needed during their time at Kentucky? You know, I think yeah. I think that'd be. I mean, massive. I mean, you got a you got a ton of names that have been successful. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On this program that have gone on to wear different hats and been successful players. I mean, I mean from Tayshaun Prince to to other guys that I've always thought would look really good doing something in this program. And uh, I don't know where Kentucky goes with it, but there there have been like four different people that have brought up Pat Riley's name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be great. Go get, go, go get the ghost of Red Auerbach. Go <laughs> get Brad Stevens. Go get I, I, I heard. Um, I mean, just go down the list. Phil Phil, Phil, uh, Phil Jackson's and lo- looking for a job. I've heard. We 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 can just fill fill this roster out with whoever we want, Sean. That that's where we're that's where we need to start looking. Just go yeah. to the best coaching names in history and Anthony form Davis. the monsters of college coaches. Anthony Davis still has three years of eligibility left if we can go figure out a way to get it. I mean, <laughs> no, it would be uh, – Pat Riley would definitely be the <laughs> – can we get Pat Riley to be the head coach? <laughs> By any chance, like, I mean – that's what, you know one, what I mean? that's what one somebody said. They said yeah, uh, like, ben, ben from Kentucky said, "If we hired Pat Riley as a coach, that would be unreal." Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, yeah, pull him from the Miami Heat, but just go get Eric Spolster while we're at it too. Like anybody, why not? Yeah, like just have at it. No, it's gonna be really embarrassing when the Celtics come back and win in Game Seven, and Eric Spolster is gonna have no choice but to come back. <laughs> and Mitch, make that call, buddy. Make it happen. Oh my you think they're coming back, don't you? No, not at all. I, I, I just, I'm friends with a lot of Lakers fans, so I just needed the comfort of us not getting sweeped and the Lakers getting swept. Like that's I'm all a, I need. I, I just, just fan. had to get that. Oh, I know. Like part of part of it is being able to say, "Wow, you have arguably the greatest player to ever touch a basketball, and you get swept in the conference finals." But Celtics sure didn't. That I don't know what to tell you, buddy. Like, Legoat is Legon. Anyway, um, it, it has been uh, quite, quite a day. And I, I don't know. I hate being negative. I, I do not like when these shows turn into being negative. But I don't know. Sometimes it's just like when when you hear so much behind the scenes and you you're you keep it festering. You're trying to be Mr. Raw Raw. It's like sometimes. I need to get just some stuff off my chest, and this I think this was a, uh, I think this was a good one. And people are all making fun of me in the chat. BBN podcast. Jason Tatum is not that guy. By the way, Marcus Smart isn't him either. Sorry, Jack. Uh, <laughs> MC Jack, how are you going to be a Boston fan when they are led by a Duke and have a ball flopper? Yeah, I know. It is what it is. I, I can't help myself. Anyway, Sean, anything else that we want to touch on before we wrap this thing up? Uh, I'm just thinking to see if there's anything we need to to maybe hit on. I, I don't I don't think so. Just that I mean the deadlines coming here a week from now, like the next time we record. Who knows? We were planning an episode to to talk about you know Johnson's uh, recruitment and things, and that wasn't what we wanted to talk about over the weekend. So hopefully the next one brings more positivity than this one, because this one didn't have a ton of it and. It's tough. It, it's tough to talk about things when there's still – I mean, there's still a lot of movement happening with, with Kentucky, and there's a lot of things going on that should be set. Like, mid, what, mid-May is out the door. Like, we're, we're beyond mid-May now. Well, <laughs> I'm just going to say – I just want to hope when uh, I'm trying to get into Canada here in about seven weeks that Kentucky has a complete roster together because uh, if not, then maybe we should be concerned. Cal is – at his best when he has his back against the wall and people people doubt him. 
I think we will see that version of Cal in the next week plus leading up to this deadline. Uh, and if things don't unfold in the way Kentucky desperately needs uh, approaching that Wednesday deadline, the grad transfer route, I think all hell will come come loose with, with Coach Cal. And that's what I'm like, fingers crossed. This this is when we see the best version of Cal in the recruiting trail. So uh, I, I'm hoping that this pressure is good. I, but I, I'm just saying that there are there is pressure right now and, and things are not good. But there's still time and we're going to flip the script and be optimistic to close this thing out. And um, we're going to believe we're going to make it happen. Anyway, let's get out of here. One final note uh, from our friends, uh, Andy Ludicky and myperfectfranchise.net. Are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream? Looking for a side hustle while working your current job, wanting to diversify, build wealth and or leave a legacy? Andy uh, can help. Andy is a franchise consultant as well as franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free, and he's here to help. If you have any questions about business ownership, you can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net. Appreciate uh, all of our listeners, as always. Feedback was great on this. A little, little bit negative for my liking and a lot of, uh, you know, some some animosity in, in our in our chat today but you know what it can't always be sunshine and rainbow sometimes we gotta uh be real with it so appreciate uh, everybody hanging on and, and uh talking with us it was a good little afternoon uh i like the way bbn podcast is gonna end it uh, hopefully the next pod is super positive one because cats came back i love to hear that sean let's get out of, get out of here where can fans find your work you can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com and you can follow me on twitter at gbb country Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email, jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we'll be back next time, hopefully for a very positive version of the Source Play podcast. We will see you then.